Hello, hello, hello. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic Self Podcast. This week, I am on a trip, so I'm going to do a little Q&A video. Not video. <laughs> We're going to do a Q&A episode. I'm currently sitting in my car mid-trip. You guys have submitted questions to my Instagram at Magic Self Pod and a few to my original Instagram at Alana Ficus. And I have these DMs and I am now going to answer them. If you'd like to submit some for the next Q&A, please, please do. Please submit them to Magic Self Pod on Instagram in the DMs. I'm going to keep these anonymous in the future. Please let me know if you'd like them anonymous or not. Uh, for now, I will keep them all anon. And thank you so much to everyone who gave me feedback about last week's episode. I know it was really, I mean, clearly it was very intimate feeling for me and vulnerable to share. And I so appreciate the feedback I've gotten. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. I don't know what else to say. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, without further ado, let me answer some questions. What is the best way to have affirmations without feeling like you're gaslighting yourself? Good question. My understanding on affirmations is that they are helpful if you're close enough to them, but if you're far enough away, they become self-affirming of the negative. So like if I'm looking in the mirror and saying, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, and me, personal, real-life Lana, I am not a millionaire. I am not near a millionaire. If I'm saying those to myself as affirmations, they're reminding me how far away from that I actually am. And so while the words might be, I'm a millionaire, the actual thoughts that that creates in my mind and the feelings that that is creating inside of me are, no, I'm not. I'm so far away. What are you talking about? It's just breeding this discomfort, sometimes some distrust with yourself. It affirms, let's say I was, I had that affirmation because I was struggling with money mindset, which is something I do often struggle with. It would be reaffirming to me that I'm not there as opposed to how affirmations ideally work is to affirm where you are headed and where you can be and where you will be, Right. So for me, if you're super far away from where the affirmation is, you need to start a little closer to where you are. So rather than saying, in my example, rather than saying, I'm a millionaire, I might say, it's easy for, uh, hmm, that one I might not believe either. Hold on. <laughs> um, I might say, hmm, what is something that I can base off of my own reality and what I know is possible, like my when I'm in a positive space, what I can feel about me and money, that's like one or two steps further than that. One or two steps more positive, more affirming. So I might say to myself personally something like, I can be comfortable with money flowing to me. Because that feels like a little bit of a stretch. I personally have a lot of guilt wrapped up in my relationship with money issues but when I'm in a good space, I can feel that it is comfortable for money to flow to me, for big amounts of money to flow to me even. So that's maybe where I would do. I'd push it just further just to say, rather, I can be comfortable. I might say, I am comfortable with money flowing to me. I'm comfortable with 
you know, I don't know, start medium, thousands of dollars flowing to me, something like that, where it's, I'm not saying I'm a millionaire, but I'm just a little closer to where I'm actually at a few steps further. And then in a few weeks, in a few months, whatever it takes me, I may check in again and say, okay, can we push it a little further? Can we go a little further? I think what's also important to note is there are so many different techniques in different therapies and different mindset help in different emotional help. Not every technique works for everyone. Affirmations might just be absolutely not your thing. But part of the work of being in some sort of counseling or self-improvement is that it is uncomfortable and it feels a little weird. So if you're stopping yourself saying, oh, I don't like affirmations because they feel a little weird, you got to give it a chance first. If you really give it a chance and it really feels like this isn't the one that clicks for me, I really prefer journaling or maybe something that's more physical. I prefer stretching and doing yoga while thinking of, of positive things, whatever it might be. Great. You figured that out about yourself. Really give it a try first actually, you know, face yourself and say, am I actually giving this a shot? Am I giving it a chance? And if you have given it a chance and it's not for you, don't worry about it. Don't feel guilty about that. Just, you know, affirmations might not be your thing and that's okay. But that doesn't mean, okay, so I'll do nothing. I'm assuming if you're trying to work with affirmations, you are aiming for something. So I don't want to say, oh, just drop it all. Absolutely not. But maybe find an alternate route not affirmations maybe or maybe the way in which you do affirmations you don't speak them in the mirror but you write them down and you're in a journal setting that feels very private and personal or or maybe you do something a little bit more long-winded you're not looking in the mirror and saying I am beautiful but you're saying I love these things about my body and you're counting out 10 things you love about your beauty that you find beautiful about yourself you know there there are different ways in which you might do it that might feel more comfortable but I really like this question because I think there is a, a real bottom line issue that that I don't really hear brought up enough and can be really detrimental, I think, in that when you're saying these affirmations that you're so far away from, your internal monologue, your internal feelings, rather than starting to open to those, they start to reject them even harder because they confirm to you how ridiculous because you're so far away from them. I think of it as like a ladder. So you don't want to go from the ground to the 15th rung of the ladder in one step. It's not that you don't want to. You just can't. It takes momentum. And this doesn't have anything to do with time. You can get there really quickly. If you look to do the first step in front of you and then the next step and the next step, you go step one, two, three, four, and then you get up to step 15, you know, by going through the steps, you can get there so quickly. But if you're starting at step zero at the ground and you're trying to get to step 15 on a ladder, you're just trying to leap there or jump there, just light speed yourself there somehow, that doesn't work. And, and that can take so much more time to try to just, in a snap, be somewhere that you aren't. So it's more about what's the next step in front of me that I can work towards and then just continuing to be responsible about upping to the next level, upping to the next level, like giving myself some praise and gratitude when I feel comfortable with step one. Let's go to step two. Great. We get through it. Let's go to step three. 
as opposed to trying to leap to the top, I think that can often just make you feel how shit you are. You know, like if your goal was, <laughs> if your goal, if you're at, at the bottom of a ladder and your goal is to get to the first step, and that's what you're thinking in your mind. I'm going to get to the first step and then I'll continue, but I'm, I'm going to get to my first step. That's the goal. As opposed to if your goal is you're at the very ground and you're trying to get to the 15th step and you're thinking, I'm going to get to the 15th step. It's my goal. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to get to the 15th step. It can be a lot more overwhelming and so much easier to feel like a failure. And if you're starting from the very ground zero, you might have a lot of that failure feeling or that being hard on yourself it's often a healthier road to be aiming for step one with the intention that, you know, by the end of the year or by the end of whatever, I'm going to get to step 15. But what I'm going to focus on in the present and in my practices, in when I use my, my tools to improve my mental health, what I'm focusing on, what my job is about is getting to step one. And then it's getting to step two. And then as opposed, you know, to your whole entire goal and focus to being step 15. That's just kind of crushing often. And you can try to leap up to that and you end up kind of just falling back on your face because you can't skip steps one, two, three, four. You know, you can't skip the steps to get there. In other words, those steps can fly with momentum. We really undervalue momentum, I feel like. You can fly up those steps, but only if you're really focusing on step one, the next step in front of you. When you're focusing on step 15, it's not so easy to just fly right up there. Let me make sure I answered that. The question was, what is the best way to have affirmations without feeling like you're gaslighting yourself? First of all, just to reiterate, so well-spoken, because that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like you're just gaslighting yourself, and you kind of are, I think. And I don't want this to feel like um, I'm not bashing therapists who might recommend this either. It can take a while to really learn where someone's at truly deeply. It might appear to them that you're at a place where a certain affirmation would be helpful to you, but you're the one that's going to know. Is this just that it's difficult or is this really just gaslighting? Is it really making me affirm how far away I am from that? And if that's the case, just, you know, you're looking at a step that's too much farther up the ladder than you are. Let's say you're on step five. You need to be looking at step six, step seven, not step 15. Hope that was helpful and answered that. Okay, next question. Why do I avoid doing things that I love when I'm feeling down? Oh, this is very relatable. <laughs> Every time I think about this concept, for me, I don't know how many times I've mentioned this, but it will become more and more normal. For me, I have a strong connection with clothing and fashion. It is my little heart's expression. So for me, when I think about this concept, the visual that I always see, the analogy is, well, not the analogy, the example is when I buy something that I want to wear, like a cute outfit, a cute dress, and I put it in my closet and it's like, oh, I'm so excited to wear it. It's so cute. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. And I just hide it in that closet and every morning I wake up, every event I have to go to, it's not good enough. It's not well, but it's not. So it's not perfect. So I just want I'll wear the like uglier thing, the thing that I value less, the thing that I like less. That's the example I have in my head of this question, the visual. It's that 
snack you bought that you really love, but you're not allowing yourself to eat. Although food gets goes bad, so maybe that's a poor example there. It's that that dress you bought that you love, but you don't allow yourself to wear. For me, it's also a dance class. It's that dance class that I love, but when I'm really feeling badly about myself, I find ways to not allow me to go. I think this is usually a situation of self-punishment where you're feeling as though you don't deserve something and so you're not allowing yourself the thing that brings you joy. We tend to withhold joy when we feel like we don't deserve it. I'm going to say that again because I think it's important. We tend to withhold joy from ourselves, withhold the things we love when we feel like we don't deserve them. And I want to first say that it can happen really easily that that you recognized first what things you're withholding that you love before you realize you're feeling unworthy. This happens to me a lot where I'll just kind of notice, well, how come I'm not allowing myself to do that thing? Or why am I not just wearing that dress? Why am I not just going to that dance class? Why can't I just go and do this thing that I, it, I should be fine to do? I have enough money to get a coffee at my favorite shop. It's been weeks. Why don't I feel like I can just do that? Why do I keep stopping myself? Usually, for me at least, I first notice it in those actions. And if I take a second to stop and question, those actions will reveal to me, oh my gosh, I'm really feeling like I fucked up the other day. Or I'm really feeling like I don't deserve this. I haven't been doing enough. I haven't been getting enough work done. I haven't had enough success. I haven't been kind enough to this person. I I didn't really solve this person's problems that I felt were my job to do or, you know, whatever it might be. I've been a bad husband, a bad wife, a bad child, a bad partner, a bad parent. Sometimes we shame ourselves over things like that, ways that we feel we haven't done enough. And we just bury it and hold on to it and just hold it in our hearts, somewhere in our bodies. And it's hard to notice right away. But the way we notice is these actions. We notice, oh, you know what? I've, I've been not allowing myself to do whatever. Or another example I have is I have been a super avid journaler and I have loved it. It was, you know, I'm self-motivated to journal. I love journaling. But there have been times in my life where I've just completely stopped journaling doesn't make any sense. I, I keep thinking to myself, why should? Why is it hard for me to remember or to want a journal? I just, I feel like everything in the world distracts me and I'll bring my journal everywhere, but I never write in it. And I'll, when I do go to write in it, I'll look back and think, when was the last time? Oh, it's been months, really? When I used to journal at least daily? And that's something that for me would be coming from my disconnection to myself, my not wanting to allow myself just the time and energy and care, the love for me of just sitting down and journaling. I'm allowed to just do that. It's okay. I won't allow it to flow because I'll feel like, no, you should be doing something else. You should be, and not even you should be doing something else. You shouldn't be doing this. You, you aren't given the, the gift of this experience. Sometimes you have to dig deep to really understand that. I think we have a lot of blinders up often that tell us, no, of course I'm good with me. No, I love me, especially in this era of self-love. And we all know, I, I think we all know how important that is. It's so easy to say, no, I'm being good to myself. Of course I'm, like in my last episode, of course I'm listening to myself. I have a great relationship with myself. What, of course, yeah. 
But when you ask for real, okay, but are you really actively that? Is that maybe the story from last year? Is that really active? Is that true right now? Maybe you just need to work on it. So what I would say to this question, why do I avoid doing things that I love when I'm feeling down? My answer would be, you're probably doing it as a form of self-punishment. And that's okay. We all do that at times. It's not so uncommon, but it's also important to notice and see what you need to do to shift that. Where are you not caring about yourself? Where are you thinking you did something wrong and maybe you need to check? Did I really mess up that situation or did I really do the best I could and the situation was just a messed up situation? Or did I really do something that sucked and I should maybe go back to that person and apologize or make peace with it happened, it's in the past, and I'll do better next time. This is what I learned. I think recognizing what that might be, or maybe it's just a pattern of thinking and talking to yourself a certain way, the number one suggestion I'd have is to start being kinder to yourself. Start treating yourself the way you would a best friend, right? Things happen. People make mistakes. It is what it is. What are you going to do now? Now you have to forgive. You have to accept. You have to be okay with. I maybe did a shitty action. It doesn't mean I'm a shitty person. It means I made a mistake. I messed up. How do I make it right as best I can? And how do I move forward? There's some self-responsibility in there that I think is really important. Especially today, a lot of, a lot of what I see on the internet is really void of self-responsibility. Maybe that's just my personal, what I'm witnessing on the internet. It's really important to recognize where we have been wronged. But I think it's also equally, if not more important, to recognize the role we played in that as well. Not to say it's entirely our fault, but everything within your life experience is a co-creation. And even if it's a small part, there's an aspect you can take responsibility for. Even if that's just taking responsibility for the fact that, okay, this happened, how do I move forward? It's my job to figure out what to do next and how to move forward with this, which can be really hard to hear and hard to do. I'm not saying it's super easy. I mean, depending on the situation, but I feel like we often put a lot of energy into avoiding all that avoidance. And I'm, again, just speaking so generally from what I really witness around me in this era of human psychological development. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm sure this sounds familiar to you. You've probably witnessed a lot of this too. We often spend a lot of that energy rather than taking some responsibility and, and recognizing, okay, this is what it is, or this was my role in this, or this is how I want to make sure to behave differently so my life is different in the future. Rather than taking that responsibility, we can spend a lot of time and energy in blame and denial and pushing it off, saying, oh, this person did it, not me, or this, this thing did it, not me. While there's some truth to that, I really believe everything is a co-creation. It's still a co-creation. That means you and whatever else. And if it's something that you have a significant amount of responsibility for, which usually it is, not every circumstance, of course, but most of them, the sooner you can recognize the role you played in it and you can accept that responsibility. I think a lot of people these days see responsibility as this 
heavy weight, this burden, responsibility is freedom. When you're responsible for your life and you really take responsibility for your life, you know, co-creative responsibility with you and the outside world, you now have healthy control over your life. If you are responsible for you, you now have the reins. You now have the freedom and the strength to make your choices, to make different choices, to do things differently, to have different outcomes. It is the most epic and awesome power there is, but it's all buried under this current cultural perspective that responsibility is so weighted and heavy and difficult from one perspective it can look that way but I think we're putting emphasis on the wrong part taking responsibility for your experience for your energy for your co-creation is so empowering so empowering and that's the real magic when you finally do get to the place where you can let go of that guilt that shame that blame and you can just say okay I take responsibility for this part that I played. I take responsibility for this. I take responsibility for this in my life. You now have the freedom to change how you are moving forward. It's hard to describe how incredible that feels when you actually get to that place. When you that actually sinks in, you actually are in that space. You're not just saying it, you're there. I mean, I think that's one of the most magical feelings. I think that's where magic comes from, frankly. A lot of times people question how I get these coincidences and these, you know, manifestations or things that feel magical to me to happen. If I had to credit them to one logical thing, it would be taking self-responsibility. I'm not perfect by any means, but I learned this lesson young because of certain environments I was in and fortunate enough to observe. But when you fully take your responsibility, the part you play, take co-responsibility, that's the place from which you can actually create magic. When you're at the space where you're not yet taking responsibility for your world, for your life, you don't have the say over your world and your life to create magic in it. You know, the, the point of this podcast that I come back to frequently, that sense of making your life experience not just neutral or enjoyable but like magical where you have these things happen that just light you up and feel like this is the reason I'm alive what is this incredible moment this is such magic that originates that comes from first taking responsibility for yourself your experience your co-creation of your world and from there you can create that magic so yes, there is a weighted side to responsibility, but I don't think we really get into the heart of how incredible it is. Like that is the place that magic comes from that I think people are often afraid to approach because it's been made to feel scary. But here I am voicing how it's not scary. If it's feeling scary to you, know that it's not just scary. There's two sides to that coin and you can live more on the joyful side. This is my long-winded answer. Perhaps if you are feeling that you're withholding from yourself because of some sort of shame or guilt or feeling as though you don't deserve something, you haven't worked hard enough, whatever your, pick your poison, whichever one is your dark self-talk. Hopefully this 
helped you to feel that there's light and there's possibility and and how you might get out of that next question how do I get out of my head when I feel like I can't but I'm aware of it you know what I mean I do know what you mean (laughs) I think we all know what you mean this is one of those silly things that we forget but you can't not think of something you can't not be in the space of something if I tell you to not think about a purple elephant you just thought of a purple elephant you know it's just the way that energy flows the way attention works the way the universe works you can't do negatives like that you're either focusing on something or you're focusing on something else you're not focusing on it or not focusing on it you know there's no space for just that emptiness of attention so what I would say to this is if you're feeling like you're in your head and this is such a common thing to feel. It's such a common way to behave. If you feel like you're in your head, you're doing everything to try to not be in your head. Often you're just encouraging the being in your head. Even if you're taking actions away from that, if your focus mentally is still ooh, about the fact that you're in your head and I'm trying to get out of being in my head, that's you know, going to just create still being in your head or more deeply being in your head. You can't not focus on something. You can only focus on something or focus on something else. So my recommendation would be to collect yourself a toolbox of things you can do, especially if you're someone who's in your head frequently, like me. I'm like a million air signs and I live in my head way too much. That's why I love so many body practices. You'll hear me recommend yoga, meditation, dancing, stretching. I love body practices because I really am someone who gets in my head. So I recommend creating this toolbox full of things you can do, things you can focus on that are not the being in your head. So that when the time comes, when you're feeling, you're starting to recognize the signs, you're like, oh gosh, I'm really in my head about this. Rather than trying to not be in your head, you can shift to one of these things in your toolbox. So I'll give a few examples. Some of the ones I just said are my favorite. I have a tool, which is just, I put on my AirPods and I have a playlist that's just positive music, not meaning it's all Enya, (laughs) but music, usually I really like good beats and high and dance music and high energy, but I have selected things that have, that have only positive lyrics, no lyrics that bring me down, only lyrics that bring me up. And that is very hard let me tell you it's hard but I've cultivated this playlist over years so at this point I've got enough songs I've got a solid playlist I have one of the tools in my toolbox is when I'm starting to feel I'm too in my head I'm too you know something that I'll need a tool to help with it's just a habit I just do it now I put in my airpods and I turn on that specific playlist and I go usually near a mirror and that playlist just like hits me so well almost every time I start listening right away I'll start moving around a little bit like low-key dancing or full-on dancing or I might sing along I just get into that and I allow myself you know I have you know 10 minutes plus I just I'm not thinking about the time I'm just letting myself go there and do that thing and that's what I do and I just do that for a little while And that really helps. Or maybe you like taking a walk. Maybe taking a walk is a good one. Maybe you have some sort of project that you work on. Maybe you love sewing or 
you love crafting something with your hands, you love working on your car, great, that's the time when you're going to go focus on that, put some energy towards that. Or maybe you need to work out. I mean, I think we've heard plenty at this point that physical activity is a great way to get out of your head. I completely agree. When you're in your head, most of the time what you want to do to get out of your head is to get into your body. So almost all of these practices are practices that pull you into your body. But while they're doing that, you're not thinking, oh, I'm getting, I'm trying to get out of my head, I'm trying to get out of my head, while you're doing this physical practice. You just set it up so that it's a tool so that when you're feeling in your head, you can just say, all right, snap into gear, this is what I do next. What I do next is I go do this thing. And you're not thinking of it as a way to get out of my head. You're thinking of it as, oh, I'm doing this thing now. This is my practice. I'm doing this thing. How do I feel about this thing? I love this thing. Whatever. I like this kind of exercise. <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. Maybe you pick up rock climbing and you go rock climbing frequently and that's a thing. I like physical activities like that because they require focus. You can't be rock climbing and be super in your head unless you're very expert doing some very simple, easy routes, but it's very difficult to stay thinking about other things while you're, for example, rock climbing. Same thing for dance if you're in a class learning choreography. When you're actively trying to pick up choreography, it's very hard to focus on other things outside of class. If you are particularly someone who loves to be stuck in your head, I mean that somewhat sarcastically, we don't all love it, right? But a lot of us do it then perhaps a good tool for you would be a physical activity that requires focus. Sports are fantastic. Maybe you want to go play volleyball or tennis or dodgeball or soccer. And if you really are someone that gets in your head a lot, making that an active practice. So if it's a sport, if it's a dance, make it something that you do weekly helps so significantly. Give it four weeks maybe write in your journal how much you feel that you get stuck in your head now give it four weeks and check in again how do you feel how often are you feeling stuck in your head I guarantee you're going to feel an improvement and that's just one month when you continue with it you will feel so much more improvement my best recommendation would be to really cultivate some tools for in the moment because of course that's when it becomes so difficult that you can just do something Put your focus somewhere else. Have something else to focus on in the moment. And for the longer term, set up ways to be getting into your body frequently. Make it at least weekly. And I'm, I think I'm being gentle when I say weekly. A lot of people would recommend daily, and I would love to recommend daily. But I don't want to overwhelm you. If you need to start weekly, that's fine. But something that gets you into your body that if you are someone that really struggles to be in your head... Maybe it's, it's something that requires more focus than just taking a walk. A walk is wonderful, but it's easy to still kind of bury and burrow deeper into your head in a walk. Maybe it's something that's a physical activity that requires focus. Circling back to the question, how do I get out of my head when I feel like I can't, but I'm aware of it? You know what I mean? The short answer is there's a lot of momentum there. Once you're there, it can be really difficult. The best way to avoid that is to work on having these practices, having these tools, so that right when you notice you're starting to go there, you can shift, you can use these tools, you can shift your focus somewhere else. And in time, it'll be much easier and sooner that you notice and you're able to shift focus and these tools really, really help you. But when you're in that exact moment, 
you kind of just need to ride that wave, you know? Like you're surfing, you're on the wave, you can't just bail out. You kind of need to just ride it, ride it all the way to shore. Let it be what it is. Don't be hard on yourself about it if you're in that space because oftentimes there's so much momentum that you, you can't really just jump right off. That's why we do the preventative. We have the tools so that we can stop it sooner and it stops happening quite as often and we get to bail out of it sooner when there is less momentum built up against us. I hope that was helpful. Okay, perhaps one more question? All right. Last question. If we haven't connected with ourselves in a long time, where do we start? Good question. I would say listen to my last episode because I went into some detail there that, wow, has been really helpful for me. So maybe it will give some more in-depth insight to you. But to keep it in a quick Q&A response here, I would start with just spend some time by yourself and be present with you. It's easy to be by ourselves yet ignoring ourselves. I think, do you know what I mean? You can be by yourself but scrolling Instagram, by yourself but watching TV shows, by yourself but, you know, shutting down your own self. Most of these thoughts that shut ourselves down that came from the outside become internalized. So we're often silencing our own voice, ourselves, inside. And the practice is to try to ease that so that you're less and less silencing your own voice and also allowing your own voice to get louder and louder and louder. I'm suggesting to ease it, to gentle, to slowly, because I think there's still a lot of momentum in that too. And it's not something that just snaps from, I have this cruel interior voice that silences me and all of a sudden tomorrow, no, I don't anymore. I don't think it works that way. And I think I think that expectation can be more damaging than helpful. I would start with really spending some time with yourself. My favorite ways to do this, as usual, journaling. I really love journaling personally. You can do an audio journal and listen to it back. You know, just record a voice note and hear it back and then do another, hear it back or record a longer one. She's a little harder to hear back. I will warn you if you're doing voice recording, maybe keep it under 10 minutes is much easier because I think listening back is really helpful. The speaking it out is really important, but while you're in still in the stage of building this, you don't have as much of that connection to self at the moment. Listening back can be helpful. It's really revealing. You'll notice so much about yourself listening back to what you said and how you said it or reading back your writing. You don't have to listen to it back immediately, but sometimes I'll go back a week later, a few days later, whatever feels comfortable. And you don't need to just sit alone in your house. I mean, you can take a walk by yourself, go do an activity by yourself. I love the idea of taking yourself to a movie, but I really personally feel like what helps most is to listen to your own voice, your own thoughts and feelings. Similar to any outside relationship, any relationship you would have with a friend, if you never listen to them, you're not going to have a good relationship with them. They'll not feel heard. They'll not feel like they matter or they're present. So while you can take a friend to the movies all the time, if you're not spending time talking to them, what did they think about that movie? How do they feel about it? 
if you're not spending equal parts being with them and listening to them, talking to them, you're not really bonding deeply. Same thing with reading books. Uh, reading a book by yourself, obviously, can be incredible. What a great activity to do by yourself. But what helps in that experience is when you stop and think about how you feel about it, what you think about it, and allow yourself to have that voice rather than reading a passage and thinking, oh, I kind of like that. Oh, no, that's stupid. I shouldn't like that. You know, some of us are in the stage where it's really hard to catch that gremlin voice. It just feels like our voice. We shut our own voice down so quickly that all we're hearing is that gremlin talk. And some of us are more in the stage where we've allowed our own voice to speak more and we can hear the subtlety. We can hear the distinction when the gremlin comes out. So we can say, hey, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to think that way as, as often as we can. Whatever stage you might be at, you're trying to develop that relationship with yourself more so that your own voice, your own feelings, your own opinions become significantly louder and that little gremlin becomes significantly quieter. We all have that gremlin voice and it pops up now and then. But when you've put more time and energy into your relationship to yourself, you're so much louder. Like if you have this friend that you have a relationship with, if you're really spending a lot of time with them and you're not just taking them to the movies and bye, but you're spending time. How did you like that? What do you want to eat? How's it going today? How do you feel? How did you feel this week? How was work today? When you're spending that time interacting with them, they share with you, you share with them. That relationship is so much stronger than any... I'll equate the gremlin voice to an outside person comes and says, oh, that friend of yours is an idiot. They've been doing all this shit, whatever. <laughs> when you really have a strong relationship with that person, with that friend, you don't believe that outside gremlin voice so easily. It's like, well, okay, maybe I'll ask, but no, I doubt it. I don't think so. As opposed to if you don't have much of a relationship with someone and a third-party person comes and tells you all this, oh, they're such a shit. You're like, oh, my God, maybe they are such a shit. Oh, wow, maybe they, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, if this person thinks they're such a shit, and I don't really have an opinion, I haven't decided really, or I haven't really thought about what I think about them since third grade, you tend to just believe the outside voice. You just believe the gremlins so much more easily. So the goal is to really connect to yourself really like you would a friend. I think some of us today statistically struggle to connect with people in general. So I'll speak to this in case anyone listening is finding that they could benefit from that. Connecting with someone, whether it's someone else or yourself, requires vulnerability. You're going to hit that point where you feel like, oh no, this is... This is difficult. This is uncomfortable. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to change subject. I'm just going to, I'll listen to them, but I won't say mine or, you know, whatever it might be. There's often that wall that feels like discomfort. That wall is real. But to connect with someone, to connect with someone, you have to start softening that wall. You have to put more focus on your want to connect than focusing on your want to keep safe. Of course, this gets much more complex and there's so many more layers, especially when someone might have a trauma or something that 
is a difficulty, and I'm talking in super generalizations here in response to this question. So, you know, there are a lot of other situations and conditions that might change this, but to speak very generally, that self-protective wall is still more focused on keeping yourself safe as opposed to focus on connecting with the other person. Number one, be sure that this other person, even if it's you, even if it's you you're trying to connect to, make sure that other person is safe. You don't just go trying to be vulnerable with any old person who might just throw you out because then you will burn yourself and you will confirm to yourself that you should keep up that wall. It isn't safe. That's, that's your responsibility. And when you're connecting to yourself, you are safe for you. You are. But you might have some fears around that that you need to work through first. And then number two, you're going to have to choose to want to connect with them more than you want to stay hidden, more than you want that wall to stay protective. It's a really hard choice because when you have a wall coming up to protect you, where in your physiology it feels like I'm stopping myself from getting deeper because I have to, it stops being a mental thing. It's just your physiology. Your body says it is not safe to go past here. So we will shut your brain down. You cannot think of a way to connect. You're just going to step out. We will shut your brain down. And this is sometimes what ADD symptoms do. You'll be focusing on something and it will feel suddenly unsafe. And your brain just goes, snap. Nope, I'm going to do this now. And now I'm going to do this. And I'm just going to piece out of that thought and piece out of this thought. Or if you're someone who doesn't have ADD but has that kind of tendency, a lot of times it can come from you've just hit a point that is no longer safe and your body, your physiology has decided this thought, this situation is not safe. So we're out. We cannot think about it. We can't realize what's happening. We can't recognize. We're just out. We're going to shift to something else. That's it. That's what it is. If you find yourself hitting those types of walls, first make sure that it is safe like step number one and number two you're just going to have to work on feeling a little unsafe and doing it anyway your body's going to tell you no 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 and try to shut it down and you're going to say body this is okay I feel like I'm jumping off of a cliff but I'm gonna go ahead and hold my friend's hand and be a little vulnerable with them little baby steps at a time and that's the same you do with yourself if you have those feelings in yourself of yourself You could have just completely silenced yourself and you could be mad at yourself for it or have other emotions about yourself for it. Or you could have just not connected to yourself in so long that your own voice is so quiet that it takes a lot of kindness and gentleness until you start hearing your own thoughts, hearing your own opinions, your own beliefs. Whether it's connecting with someone outside of you or with yourself, being vulnerable is scary And a lot of us have walls that come up for very legitimate reasons, very protective reasons. But when you are in a safe position, you have to just kind of start pushing through that. And I think the way to do it is to be with someone who feels safe. And if it's you connecting to you, you need to know you are safe. You are safe for you. And if something's in the way of that, that's a really good thing to bring to a therapist or a counselor. And that's normal. That can come up. You can be so convinced that you ruined your own life by doing whatever 
and really believe that. And then you don't feel safe connecting with you. You don't feel okay. You feel that your body just stops you from self-connection and and makes you distract. You immediately pull out your phone and you just got to do something else. I got to scroll Instagram. And you don't even realize until you've been scrolling Instagram now 10 minutes. Wait, what was I doing a second? Oh, I was trying to connect to myself. Oh, and suddenly I got to check my email. And, you know, like your body can put up mechanisms that really try to have blinders on that. There are so many methods on how to work on that physical, mental, all over the board. It really kind of depends, I think, on what your situation is. But I would say you can get past it. If you know this is something logically, you know this is safe, this person is safe, you just have to push yourself a little out of that comfort zone. And you will feel so much better on the other side. Maybe not the minute after. A lot of times we have a vulnerability hangover, as Brene Brown calls it, where you've just been vulnerable and you kind of come back into your right mind and you're driving away from the dinner or whatever it is. And you think, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. Did I just say that? Am I crazy? Did they are going to hate me now? What did I do? Did I, I shouldn't have said that. I should call them and tell them, never mind. I didn't mean it. It, it was an accident or, you know, that type of feeling. She, Brene Brown calls that a vulnerability hangover. You might have one of those right away after. But just soothe yourself and know it's better that you were vulnerable. It's better that you were honest. If it was a safe place, it's better that you were present and you were who you are. Maybe have a friend you can call to help sure you up about it or whatever practice might make you feel calm. You might not feel better immediately, but in time, you'll hear your own voice again and you will feel like you're you again. You exist. You'll have that excitement for life again. You'll have that feeling of, I'm living for me. I'm making me happy. And it'll bring you joy to make you happy I could go on and on. I think a lot of these episodes I've talked about that most incredible feeling of really connecting with yourself and having a relationship with yourself. Circle back to the question to make sure I covered it. If we haven't connected with ourselves in a long time, where do we start? My main recommendation would be to just spend some time with you and not distracted time, present time with you. Maybe set aside 20 minutes a day or if you feel like an hour is doable an hour a couple times a week whatever whatever you can do and to just be with yourself if you really need some activity to be doing journaling is my favorite start there just baby steps step one and on the other side when you start hearing those gremlins ask yourself is that me or is that someone else and I promise you, if it's a gremlin, if it's a negative, if it's a hurtful thing, it's not you. And if it's not you, you dismiss it. You say, okay, I don't want to hear that. That's not me. I'm listening to me right now. That's not me. It gets easier in time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions and all the questions I didn't get to. Maybe I'll do another Q&A. This was really fun. Please let me know if you enjoyed this. I have some longer questions that I will also be answering. So if you have a longer question, I love the details. Please send it and let me know if you'd like to be anonymous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope these answers were helpful or at least just helped you relate and feel like you're not alone. We all go through this stuff and it can feel very lonely and isolating. I'm so glad that I have this podcast if I wish to share it 
If you have questions, please leave them at Magic Self Pod on Instagram in the DMs. Thank you so much. I hope you have the most amazing week and you get some good relaxation. What were we calling it? Fall integration, fall relaxing, fall chilling out a second because the summer was a lot. (laughs) I hope you're starting to feel that fall energy of just relaxing, having fun, being more playful, chilling out after the work that this summer was. Feeling that joy, feeling that going out for a pumpkin ice cream (laughs) or pumpkin spice latte. That's fine. It can be warm too. Have the most wonderful week. I love you so much. I'm so grateful to you all. See you next time.